If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. And today we are learning from my guest, Dr. Rebecca Heiss. She's a stress and human behavior expert who isn't just helping people manage stress. She's helping them to transform the way that they interact with stress altogether. And she does it in a very interesting way. She actually helps us to understand the functions and the evolution of our ancestral brain, which I'm very excited to, to talk about today. But she's the author of Instinct, a book that will help you tap into the true potential of your brain by using science-backed strategies that lead to increased productivity and greater levels of success. So let's go ahead and hop into the details with my friend, Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on today, Karen. I'm really excited about this. Well, listen, anybody I can nerd out with, I'm like, let's <laughs> dive right in. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. I am interested though. Your background is in evolutionary biology and human behavior. You know, you have a PhD in stress physiology, which I love because the way that we, our bodies respond to stress is something we don't really talk about, uh, yeah. but it's very, very important. So I'm interested, you know, how did you decide that you want to study stress and human behavior? Like what made you pursue this work? So that's a great question, Karen. Thank you for asking. Uh, it's actually an interesting story. I kind of fell into it. So I was taking a biology class, an animal behavior class, um, because I wasn't really sure what I knew, what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew I was good at science. So I had gotten into this animal behavior class and I kind of fell in love with my professor. Like she was just, she reminded me of Jane Goodall, right? And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, there's like, I, I just want to nerd out with her. I want to have a good time. And we became pretty close. I ended up in her research lab and her husband was the director of the evolution and human behavior lab. So I was like, oh, Okay. So I started hanging out at their house, you know, like, like the nerd that I am, the, the nerdy student going over to the professor's houses for, for dinners and, and, and ended up uh, TAing for him as well. So I got this really interesting background of digging into our roots and understanding why we do the things we do. Because when we look through that lens of evolution, it's like, oh, Oh, that makes sense. You know, why we elect tall men for leadership positions, why we're scared of people who look different or act different or sound different. Like all of that makes sense from an evolutionary perspective. I'm not saying it's good or right, but it's more logical. So then we can start to untangle and that, that gets me all excited. Yeah, absolutely. It's like that Steve Jobs mm -hmm. quote, you don't always know where you're going, but you can turn around and connect the dots. That's and right. that's what I'm hearing you say is like, oh, by understanding the way that our brain is developed through evolution, then it helps us to understand some of our default or autopilot behaviors or even beliefs, even though our beliefs are shaped from, you know, the time that we're born and through our life experiences, there's got to be something there that has also been passed down genetically. Oh, absolutely. And actually some of the, some of the like coolest research I think is around this epigenetic behavior. So oh, yeah. um, this cross between like, well, what happened in your lifetime and what do you then pass along? So we've seen like in the research, there, there's these, these traumas that occur during a lifetime or during a, an entire culture's lifetime that get passed along for generations. One of the, the coolest studies, and I'll nerd out, you can feel free to cut this if you want, but one of the coolest studies I think I've ever come across um, was published in Nature probably six years ago now, but they took female mice and had the male mice who the females were bred to, the male mice were isolated and they were sprayed with this like cherry blossom scent. And every time that they were sprayed with the cherry blossom scent, 
they had a, a they passed a current through. So these these mice were shocked. These male mice were shocked. And so, you know, basic Pavlovian association, right? You smell cherry and you start to have this stress response. And so they got these, these male mice trained up so that every time they smelled cherry blossom, they were afraid the shock was coming and they would shake and the cortisol levels would go through the roof, as you might expect. So then they bred these male mice to the female mice and they took the babies, the offspring, and they sprayed cherry blossom. And the babies all had the same stress response. They were like terrified despite the fact they'd never been exposed to it. And the females had never been exposed to it. And that carried through three generations, Mm. which is like, whoa, that is wild to me. So you think about the experiences that your ancestors had and what then gets passed along to you and what fears we have and what stresses we have. And it starts to untangle a lot. I think of why we fear the things we do and why we get nervous for no particular reason, right? When we're going to do things. So that's that's where I got really excited. Oh my gosh, I love that. And and I love the studies that show us the evidence that help us to understand. Now, whenever yeah. I started to tap into epigenetics, though, you know, as a mom, I'm like, oh my gosh, is my oh son my gosh. be jacked up from all of these different things that I haven't been able to control, yeah. right? <laughs> And it starts to bring up, and I know a lot of people actually, even my friends, because I feel like we're a part of this healing generation where now we just have more information to understand our internal wiring. And now because of that uh, new level of understanding, we're making different choices. You know, we're choosing to seek therapy. We're choosing to build our toolbox for our mental strength and health and all of that good stuff. I'm wondering, is there anything along your own journey that you were like, oh, I didn't realize that this is why I am the way that I am. And what did you do to heal or grow through that? Wow. That is such a good question. I'm going to go, I'm going to go in two different directions on that. I'll I'll start with uh, the story of how I got into speaking. And this was a, this was a really enlightening moment for me. It was definitely a rug pulled out moment of like, oh, this is why I'm doing it. So unfortunately my, my sister-in-law who was like a a sister to me was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm. And uh, She'd been married to my sister for over 20 years at that point. It was, it was an absolutely sort of devastating moment. And I looked around at my life and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that, that easily could have been my diagnosis. And I had this little epiphany that every single thing that I'd done up to that point in my life, I'd done out of fear. Mm-hmm. So I had pursued biology because I was good at it. It was easy, right? So it was a safe bet. I took an academic position because that's just what you were supposed to do, right? After you had this, I I married a kind man because it was the time in my life when I should get married. I bought a house that was just a house. All that to say, in the matter of a month, I quit my job, sold my house and divorced my husband. Now, I am not saying that the solution, like go out and just do those things. It was one of the most horrific, terrible times of my life. But through that came all of the healing. Because I think so often we try to avoid the stress and the the pain and the trauma when really the only way to the other side is through it. Mm-hmm. And that is a really hard thing to hear. But this we talk a lot about post-traumatic stress, but there's also post-traumatic growth. Hold on now, sister. You know. Oh, yeah. You that is the jam. That is what helped me to not feel yes. guilty about the yes. growth that was happening after all of those losses I experienced. Please continue. Yes. Go, Rebecca. Yes. Go no, Let's that's go. exactly it. And and so often, like we we focus on the stress, which again, there's a whole story about stress in our culture. Well, stress is bad. You should avoid it. Don't ever. Okay, let me ask, let me ask you a question and ask your listeners the same question. Do you stress about anything that doesn't matter? Yeah. <laughs> 
No. Right. Yeah. Easy. That's so easy like, to let go of. <laughs> exactly. So if you're stressing, it's something that's important to you. So now stress is really just a signal. Now it's just, you're getting the information. Oh, this is an important thing to me. Then you can start to digest it. Okay. Well, is it a tiger? Is this thing going to actually kill me? Is it a life and death situation? No. Oh, then this stress is actually helping me rise to my highest level of performance. Athletes break world records during the Olympics, not during practice. High levels of pressure, high levels of performance. It's just that subtle shift. So to me, getting back to your original question, sorry, I went down a rabbit hole there. I hang on every word, Rebecca. Do not apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Getting back to that that stressful moment, it was was a, a mindset shift of like, okay, yes, this stress is hard. And I don't want to take away from anybody's trauma or like it is awful. It is really, really hard. But how we think about that stress changes our outcomes, right? Is this stress detrimental? Is this stress going to kill me? Is this stress really bad for my health and my well-being? If you believe that, the answer is, yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you believe and if you take the mindset of this stress will also help me rise, this stress will also lead to post-traumatic growth, this stress will help, then yes, it will. And it sounds way too simple to be true. But you look at the interventions of like one minute interventions of telling people that before they take a test or before they have a, a big performance. Do you know that stress actually helps you? And the results are amazing and last for years to come. So that kind of subtle shift is really was a game changer for me. And it happened at the time when I probably needed it the most. Yes. And so what I'm hearing though is we may be born with some things that are out of our control that we mm. then have to learn how to manage. That's everything, right? It doesn't just have to be anything that's a, a wear and tear on our mental health. It could be even our physical health, right? People Absolutely. aren't asked to be born with these different ailments. But the point is, once we realize that we have to face these very real things that could make a ne- negative impact on our life, what we choose to do with it is what really creates that ripple effect, that lasting imprint. You absolutely nailed it. And and the crazy thing is, or the fascinating thing is when you look at people who have experienced really high levels of stress in life and they look back on their lives, they rate themselves as having a more fulfilled, more purposeful, more meaningful life than people who had very little stress in their life. Mm-hmm. This is really interesting to me because I, I think a lot about you know what we as a society say we should be striving for, we should be trying to achieve. And so often it's like the vacation home where you're on the beach and you don't have to do anything. And that's a meaningless life. Like you are actually striving towards something that is going to make you unhappy in the long run, Mm. which is interesting to me. So like the striving part, the part where you're actually in it and you're stressed about it, that's probably the part that's going to mean the most to you, not the reward afterwards. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a mindset shift for sure. Absolutely. And we really do. We get caught in those satisfaction traps. It's something I point out in my work. It's like, how many of us drank that Kool-Aid that said we're supposed to marry the right person and are supposed to go to the right school and you could still go to a really great school and you can marry a really awesome person. But does that mean that you feel fulfilled? How, (laughs) How do we know? How do we know? And sometimes it is getting into the uncomfortable, which really what I found is the spaces that feel or that we anticipate, I'll say, are mm. going to be uncomfortable are only because they fall outside of societal norms. 
<laughs> and the interesting thing yeah. about societal norms is that it, they are not a one size fit all. So it's like, why do right. we keep subscribing to that? When instead, as you're mentioning, you know, stress, the way that we engage with stress, it doesn't have to be a bad thing, just like yeah. failure, right? Trying something yeah. new and making a mistake doesn't have to be a bad thing. But for some reason, we have been given that language or that pathway that they are bad. And so by just reframing that all together can unleash this new level of personal freedom. You gosh, this I I want to talk to you all day about this. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly it. But what you hit on there is like, why are there these societal norms that we're subscribing to? Like, what what is that? And that goes back to sort of evolutionary behavior, right? If you get kicked out of the tribe, i.e., you don't play by the rules, mm. that is a death sentence, at least for our ancestors. Now today, it's not right. Like. It's yeah. not like we have to make it. We, we can make it out there alone. By the way, you get to choose your tribe today. Let's go. Can we right? say, you get to choose the people you surround yourself with? Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Incidentally, like immediately I'm like, Karen, you're part of my tribe. Let's go. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but, but so often I don't think we even make that conscious choice. Mm. We just say, oh, well, society, all of society, whatever culture we belong to, these are the norms that I have to subscribe to. And if I don't, that's really dangerous because I will die. Mm -hmm. That's what our brain says. Mm -hmm. like, no, you're not. It's why so many people are afraid of public speaking. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, you're not afraid of public speaking. Let's get to the root of the fear. What are you actually afraid of? Oh, I'm afraid of screwing up. Why? Well, because I'll look bad. Okay. Why? Well, because people will judge me. Why? Because they'll kick me out of the tribe. Oh, that's why you're scared of public speaking. You're not scared of getting up in front of people. You're scared of the judgment that you think will, will come as a result. So gosh, it makes me even think about some of the questions that I get after I, I do a talk. They are quite similar as you can imagine. And one of them and I get a lot is how do I deal with the toxic people in my life? How do I deal with the negative people in my life? And I'm like, yeah. first of all, why are you choosing to create space for that? Yeah, And now it is connecting with me as you're saying all of this, because the, we, well, I, I also think that, you know, it's not just about safety, although I can see that that's why, you know, back in Sorry. the day is very necessary for us to stay and try, but it's also the sense of belonging with one another. But now I'm seeing that that belonging is being tied also to safety. Oh my <laughs> gosh, Rebecca. It's the, this that's, I'm telling you, these, these lenses, this like very basic lens of evolutionary psychology is like, Oh, oh, of course I need to belong. Of course I need that safety. Of course I need that connection. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is going to take us on a whole nother rabbit hole, but like, Oh, I'm ready to jump. I'm following you. Let's yeah, go. The idea of connection, right? Like these little devices, our brains are built. Like you need connection. You need connection. Cause again, connection, belonging, safety, that's all integral to, to our own survival. Mm -hmm. And so we connect with these like very, surface connections, mm -hmm. the, the Facebooks, and I'm not trying to hate on social media, right? Listen, I'm on there all day too, right? I get it. But we, then we feel like we're connected, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like the junk food that we eat. Like our brain says, Hey, you need fats and sugars to survive. That's why like delicious things like burgers and fries and shakes taste so good because our ancestors couldn't get enough fats and sugars. Well, we couldn't get enough connection either, mm -hmm. but the technology and the way we've set up our economy where you can go down and get a burger for, you know, $5 in under five minutes, and you can get 5,000 calories doesn't actually meet the needs of what our brain really is after. 
And so we've set up all of these things like burgers and connection that don't really feed that deeper part of, of what we're craving. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is so good. This is so, okay. Okay. So this is what's coming up for me though, is the way that we start to shape our life based on outside influences is a very real thing where your parents yeah, say sure. you should go to school or where you think you should live or what your community starts to, all of that is very true. But then there's also the internal chaos <laughs> that is something I, I'm just, I've said this so many times before, and I'll say it again. I feel very fortunate to live during a time where we are unpacking all of the things that come with optimizing our brain, understanding our mental health, building our mental strength. I'm I am grateful to live during this time right. where we have these conversations. Yeah, me too, me too. Just be <laughs> and, able to have the conversation, like you said. Yeah. Sorry, absolutely. <laughs> and one of the things that uh is something that I know I dealt with and I see, you know, clients and friends deal with is the internal chaos, right? So my question is, how do we get out of our own way. Like once we oh. identify and we understand that maybe external factors are playing a role in what we're choosing, we also need to go a little bit deeper and analyze and, and maybe evaluate, are we self-sabotaging here? Yeah. Why do people self-sabotage and how can one get out of their own way? Okay. Two great questions. First, I will say, again, my perspective, it comes back to your evolutionary brain. You're not self-sabotaging your brain is trying to keep you safe. So we all have something that I call ants in our brain, right? Automatic negative thoughts. Now, automatic negative thoughts were really- I'm going to borrow that just so you Please, know. I will always credit means. you, but that is beautiful. Incidentally, I'm yep. sure I've borrowed it from somebody. I, I I wish I was better about that. Like, I'm, Me too. Fairly, certain <laughs> it's mine. I'm fairly certain it's mine, but like, it's maybe something that I read 20 years ago and I'm like, oh, this it's is It's a genius. universal truth right? that we will continue exactly. to spread. How about that? Exactly. Great, great. So ants, automatic negative thoughts, right? These, these thoughts of like, you know, I'm going to fail. I, I shouldn't raise my hand. I shouldn't step in. I shouldn't, you know, call attention to myself because again, that was a useful strategy for our ancestors. They're the reason you're here today because your great, 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 great grandmother heard that rustling behind her in the, in the bushes and wasn't like, oh, it's probably just a songbird coming to entertain me. Right. She's like, it's a tiger. So our, our brains are focused on the negative because that's what could kill us. We don't really see the positive unless we actually look for it because those are like nice things like, oh, there's a berry. Hmm, that's, that's pleasant. And so how do we get out of that? I use ABCs. So A is simply ask, is it a tiger? So when I hear that voice, like, is it actually this life and death situation that my brain is telling me it is? And the answer is 99.999999999% of the time. No, it's not, right? It's a, it's a thought that feels very life and death. But I often will write it down. So I write down my fear and then get deeper. Why? 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 What's the cost of this fear? What's the cost of me not engaging? Huge. The cost of action is always clear. The cost of inaction is often what we lack. Okay. So asking the question, right? Is this, is it life, but life and death? Getting clear on it. Also, instantly writing things down pulls the thought out of that limbic system, that ancient sort of emotional space and forces us to be conscious about it. So it's not just that reactionary. It's a tiger. Oh my gosh. Like I can't do this. It's wait, let's get logical about it. 
Yeah. What actually is the fear, right? So if if I may pause really quick please, for our listeners, what we're doing in that moment, it's integrating your brain because when your emotions are high, which is that right side of your brain, it actually, it shuts down the prefrontal cortex, which is that CEO of your brain, which is where the good decisions come from, which is where problem solving and create. So when, when Rebecca is talking about bringing logic in, it's because when your right side is firing off the left side, which is the logical side helps to now integrate and bring that CEO back online, which is where those good decisions come in. So logic plays a huge part in helping you to diffuse big emotions and bring you into a more composed state. So just wanted to dive a little deeper so they could. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so grateful that you said that. That is, that is the C, but we're going to get there. And what you said is setting them up for success. So thank you. That's awesome. So, okay. Now we're aware. We're actually aware of the fears. We've asked if it's a tire. The second step is the breathe. Now, listen, everybody hates this step because they're like, I've been told to breathe when I'm in stress since I was yee high. And I'm like, yeah, but do you do it? <laughs> right? Like, do you do it? Do you actually, because we don't get to control our heart racing, our sweat, the amount of, of hormones that are like just getting plummeted through our, through our bodies, the neurotransmitters that are going off like Matt, we don't get to control any of that. What we do get to control is our breathing. And when we take that deep, slow breath that we've been taught to do, right, it signals to our body, oh, this is not life or death, right? We're actually in control. And it allows us to go back to that space of what you said, right? Getting into getting into that more logical left brain. Okay, this is not an emotional reaction. I can actually take control of the situation. And maybe this is this is helping my performance. Rather than hindering my performance, maybe all of these signals, like instead of saying, oh my gosh, my heart is racing, I'm going to have a heart attack. Well, my heart is racing, which means that it's pumping more oxygen and nutrients to my brain that now I can make a better decision, right? It's that that subtle switch. So we've taken that breath, we've taken back control, and now we get into the C. Now C is curiosity. Ask a question, any question, because when you do... It's exactly what you just said. When you do, you flip the switch because curiosity and fear cannot coexist. There is no brain mechanism for it, right? For 200,000 plus years, nobody's ever had a tiger charging them and gone, huh, I wonder how fast it's coming, <laughs> right? Like, like that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And so when we can get curious about anything, like I, I ask people, because often I think the stumbling block is like, well, I don't even know what question to ask myself. To yep. get too deep. And I'm like, so don't ask it about yourself. Like ask a question about, I wonder why ceilings are always painted white. Hmm. Doesn't matter, right? Hmm. Google it, find some, now your body's starting to settle. Now hmm. you can start asking questions about yourself. Now you can start asking the smallest question about how do I move through this barrier? How do I move through this stressor? What's the smallest step that I can take to get there? Hmm. And that to me is where the, the real power comes in because now it's not the voice telling me I can't do this. We've, we've kind of smushed that in, right? We've taken back control and now we're beginning to move forward through this barrier with our, with high levels of stress and performance, but in a direction that's actually transformed that stress to help us. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And the difference between us and the brain a thousand, 10,000 years ago, whatever, is that we now have access to limitless possibilities. So what I love about that last piece, curiosity, is you don't start getting curious and you're like, oh, well, I'm so tapped out of resources or information. Right. That's like, that literally yeah. doesn't happen. 
Never. It does not happen. There's so <laughs> many. It's just we get so caught up in the routine or mm-hmm. the safe route or the automatic reaction that we start to only create this narrow pathway of opportunity when really it is so expansive, especially during this time. So even when you think, oh, I feel like I'm in my own way. Oh, you could start to figure, well, who can help me? Like, who can I talk to that maybe has an answer? Who's done this before? Where is the evidence of someone who has successfully overcome this thing? And how can I tap into, read, listen, have a conversation with so that I can get on the other side? I love those ABCs. Thank you. And I love your addition there because exactly what, what the brain does under stress, right? is it creates this binary decision, this or that. And what what you just said is exactly it. Well, well, no, we've got limitless possibilities, this or that, or this or that, or that or this. or. And I think sometimes actually it, it overwhelms people because there is so much information out there. Absolutely. So don't let your, your, you know, your possibilities become burdens. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's another that. thing. Just pick pick the smallest one and move forward in that direction. Now, mm. that doesn't mean you can't come back. This is not more binary thinking, right? That doesn't mean you've you've gone that way and you can't return. I, I was a big fan of choose your own adventure books growing up. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, that's <was> great. Like, <laughs> okay. So like the best part about that was like, you made a decision. You're like, ah, I'm going to go into the deep, dark cave. And then like, I don't know, you fell in and, and it was a shark infested waters. And you're like, oh man. And then you go back to page 63 or whatever. And you make a different choice. Mm-hmm. I think so often we think that life isn't like that. We're like, no, it only moves in this linear fashion. And if I make this choice, I can't. Very few decisions in life actually don't allow you to say, um, that didn't work. Let's go back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when we realize that this is not a binary, this is not a, a one decision forever forward, we actually have the opportunity to say, oh, all right, well, let's give this a shot. What, what's the worst that can happen? I might fall into shark infested waters. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with the route, you know? <laughs> well, I appreciate that because we what you're talking about there is something that is very, very common because we have so many options and choices. And then all of a sudden we get stuck and we're like, oh, I'm paralyzed. I don't even know like what decision to make. And that starts to create a lot of anxiety about trying to make the perfect decision. Again, recovering perfectionist here, right? That that is me. That is literally my life. I hear you. And what you just described is a way that I have been able to deal with that anxiety of just trying to find the perfect route forward and doing the best I can in the moment I am, I'm I'm in with the information that I have trusting. And this was a huge shift through a lot of development, a lot, a lot of hacks. I like to say (laughs) in brain games. Uh-huh. is that I'm going to make the best decision that I can right now. And then when I get on the other side, I just trust myself to deal with what's there. Right. I, I trust my ability, the capabilities inside of me, or the capability of finding what I need once I get to, to that other side, because that can get us so stuck and keep us from taking the action that moves us forward. That's It's huge. That, you just described the cost of inaction right? Mm-hmm. Which is, which is so powerful for people because they don't pay attention to it. And then, you know, they're a year in and they're going, oh my gosh, I have all of these regrets. Why didn't I, why didn't I, why didn't I? And it's because you sat in that fear and that inaction and that, that paralysis of mm-hmm. I could do all of these things. How am I going to choose the one right path? Mm-hmm. And I think to your point is like, well, what's the right path? 
Listen, yeah. no, none of us, none of us can predict the future, Mm-mm. right? If, if you told me that I was going to be a professional speaker, I would have laughed in your face. What? But when I had what? that dropped into my spirit, I was like, oh God, you have the wrong person. That's yeah, me. Like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> right. And, and, and so, you know, predict the pandemic, predict this, predict mm. listen, tomorrow is going to be another adventure. So mm. the, the frame that I like to put these decisions and is like, well, you can either have an ordeal, right. And it will continue to be an ordeal or you can have an adventure. Mm. Right. And like the adventure may turn into an ordeal and then you go back and you have a different adventure. Right. (laughs) So like the more we can choose adventure, the more we can choose that setup of like, well, I wonder what would happen if I tried X, you know, I think the, the happier and more fulfilled we could be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because then, as you mentioned earlier, it's not just that end destination, it's our experience of the journey that makes it more meaningful. So what are things that people can do on a daily basis that will help to transform the way they interact with stress? I really believe that, you know, we can be proactive with some of these practices. It's how I coach people is, Hey, we're going to do things now that are going to set you up for those big stressful moments right. and then you can navigate right. them. So what are some of the practices either in your toolbox or, or in the book, whatever you'd like to share, Rebecca? Oh gosh. Well, I, first of all, I really want to hear yours. <laughs> like I want to hear all of your stuff because, uh, so I, I talk a lot about how we stay tied to our values in moments of stress. And I think a lot of that is, as you said, the, the pre-training, and the, the free training for a stressful situation is actually putting yourself into stressful situations because our stress response is really, it's not a highly adapted response. Like we have the exact same stress response as frogs, as snakes, as like you look across the animal kingdom and we're all having the same responses. Now our technology has changed. Our environments have changed really massively. But when I'm getting the same stress response to a ping and ding that I do when a tiger is charging me, Mm. that's not helpful. So we need to recalibrate our stress response. And this is something that I know everybody has heard a thousand times, but like that's, that's the whole concept behind exercise your discomfort, right? Get out of your comfort zone. What you're doing is you're actually finding safe ways to elicit a stress response. So I challenge people to do what I call fearless challenges. And sometimes that's, you know, asking for a discount at your local coffee shop. Like most people are like, dude, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, why? Like, what's the, what is the fear? Well, they're going to say no. Oh, they're going to reject you. Are you going to die? Okay, do it. You pay your 1099 or whatever you pay for a cup of coffee and you walk out the door. And what that does is you have a stress response. Your brain layers that down and says, interesting, didn't die today. Had a stress response, didn't die today fascinating. Maybe I don't need this next time. And then you do something else. Like you go to a street corner and you start to sing, or you read a book aloud or something a little bit just out of what you would say, you know, the cultural norm and what's going to happen. Nothing. People are going to give you some side looks and it's fine. So what we're doing is we're actually inoculating ourselves against stress. And because stress is a generalized response Like you're having the same stress response when you're asking for a discount on a cup of coffee or singing in the park as you are when you're getting 6,000 emails and you're like, "Ah, I don't know how to move this one. Okay. Well, if you've trained yourself for those moments, then you can stay calm and use that energy again for something that's not anxiety ridden for something that's not, I can't, I can't. You're like, oh, okay. There's a lot happening right now. What's the smallest thing I can do to move forward? Mm -hmm. Now it's, it's, helping you rather than hindering you. 
So yeah, it's I like normalizing that. that stress yes. response. Yes. Mm. Yep. I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. I do a lot of recalibrating in the brain. Like this is, this didn't kill you. Great. Okay. So now you're actually layering down and like you're growing your brains right there with DHEA, right? That's awesome. That's incredible. You've rewired your brain just a little bit. And I think that's, that's maybe the biggest thing is like our brains are so flexible. We, we talked about this earlier about neuroplasticity and like you can change your brain. Actually, you are, whether or not you want to. Yeah, right? your that's different. literally a line in my keynote. I'm what? like, your brain is changing whether you want it to or not. It's true. Why wouldn't you be intentional about how it's changing? Right. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like your brain is different right now than it was 30 seconds before you heard me say that sentence. So maybe listen to the people you want to listen to. Maybe invite those toxic people out of your life. <laughs> this is These are huge huge change makers that we don't really don't think give enough credit to our own brain to say that's that's layering down a story is that a story i want to be telling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons that this is uh starting to become more common conversation around neuroplasticity well i guess depending what circle you're in if you don't care about <laughs> getting better and like growing yeah. then you're not here but if you're here you have you've heard this one of the reasons why it is being shared more is because just think about it we didn't even have the technology 30 or 40 years ago to scan a healthy brain and understand how our brain was changing. Like we were only able to examine a brain after someone died, right? Yeah, and it's and all their habit like wasn't actively working. But now mm. with MRIs and with all this technology, we can see how the neurons are firing off and how they're shaping the, the way that we're wired. So again, grateful to live during this time because yeah. it just gives more purpose to your choices. And understanding that those default choices, which is so important in the work that you're, you're covering while they may be an automatic response, they're not the only response that is so empowering in and of itself. Right. I mean that, and, and the reality is like, if you work hard enough, you can change those automatic negative responses exactly an automatic positive response. Like what story do I want to tell? Is it good? Is it bad? Do I need to assign a story to it at all? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that is, it is, it's really empowering. It's like, wow, my brain can be trained. I call it brain gains. Whenever we make new neural pathways, I'm like, these are brain gains that are happening. Brain gains. Right I love it. I love it. One of the brain gains that was a, a big change for me, especially being an entrepreneur, it's very scary. I love mm. the comfort of corporate, but I do not like the infrastructure, the bureaucracy of it, right? Sure. Um, sure. And And so being an entrepreneur, you are going to fail a lot. You just, it's just the nature of figuring out what you have to do. And so because I am a recovering perfectionist, the story that I had around failure was crippling. It was, and it's not even like I grew up in a home where I was belittled and criticized all the time. It was just, well, now I know because of my friend, Dr. Rebecca, (laughs) (laughs) way further back than that. But but what I started, the new story that started to come up was failure is actually a part of the process, Mm -hmm. period. Period. Failure is a part of the process. Yeah. And, and actually failure allows us to connect. So I, I, I'm going to use a prop because it's literally sitting right here and I'm thinking about it. So I, I take pieces of wire with me sometimes when I speak and I talk about, see if I can do this with my hand. I talk about being tied to our, to our values, right? And then we can reframe. And when we look through our values, we can expand that to see the world differently. But 
one of the most important things is that we can connect with people. And in order to connect with people, what happens to the frame, you have to, you have to open it, right? You have to be vulnerable enough to fail. And sometimes to fail publicly. And sometimes not to have to prove yourself, but to show up and say, I screwed up. Mm-hmm. And I think that that piece is is so often missed because, well, again, because part of the technology, right? We're we're posting our freaking highlight reels on the Instagrams and the Facebooks, and you don't see the who do you hear about? Well, you hear about the successes. You don't hear about all the times, all the mistakes, all of the the bobbles, all of the the ways that we've messed up. Mm-hmm. And when we're vulnerable enough to share that, it actually what I've found is it actually endears you to other people because they are willing to go, oh yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. That's, that's been, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And it helps us all to connect better. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of like, yeah, how have you failed today? Let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about it because I probably have done the same thing. Yeah. A, and man, if we'd shared that earlier, we could have both avoided this. Absolutely. One of the greatest connection points for my son, who's a preteen now, is uh, connecting with him through my humanness. Like, I want him to know I'm not just your mom, I am a human. And so, telling him when I'm like, there was this one moment I was so upset. I mean, I was just, I, I, it's funny when you build awareness how you can start to really notice what's happening in your body before yeah. that comes out. <laughs> And I was so upset that I felt like flipping the table. I don't remember what set me off. And so as I'm feeling it, I was like, Caleb, right now in my mind, I just flipped this whole table over. And I I said, but you notice how I didn't do it. Like I wanted Mm. him to know the big emotions that he's feeling in his little body are not just something that only he goes through, but that everyone goes through. That's huge. And then when I fail, talk to him about that. But, But I love how you say that because we think about this and I know we're thinking about a lot of our relationships peer to peer. Like that's mm-hmm. usually our default. Like how do we connect with our spouse or how do we connect with people at work? But it also helps us to connect intergenerationally. Absolutely. And if you are a parent or if you're just a, an adult present in a child's life and you're wondering, oh, how can I help them to acquire these tools? Tell them how you have failed. Tell them how hard it's been for you. Explain your struggles and you will start to connect with them on a deeper heart to heart level. It's huge. That's, I can't tell you. I think I was going to, I was going to ask this of you when you said you're a recovery perfectionist. And I was like, well, probably it, it, no fault to your parents. I love your parents. I'm sure they're great, mm-hmm. um, but probably the, the influences in your life, whether it's your parents, your peers, mm-hmm. you were rewarded for all of the things that you did well. Mm-hmm. And so the story becomes, I am only valuable mm-hmm. for the things that I do well. Mm-hmm. And I know that was true for, for me and my, like, I have amazing parents. They're incredible. They were, they were rewarding great behavior and great performance, but then all of life became a performance yeah. and I couldn't separate my worthiness, my value from the performance of achievement. That's right. That's right. And instead of, right. Instead of, wow, you tried really hard. Yep. Which I, I, and I'm not faulting parents. Listen, this is, as you they said, did the, the best start, they could with the tools with the that information they had. Right? They had. <laughs> yes. Yes. The goal is that every generation is going to do a little bit better and know a little bit more. And that's my, that's my hope. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. could not agree more with you about sharing that with, with the next generation is listen, this is, there's a lot of bumps in the road and we should be sharing more of those because mm-hmm. those big feelings 
people come to me all the time. Like, how do you stay so you're a stress physiologist. You must never be stressed out. And I'm like, I am stressed out all. Oh my gosh. I hear you. All the time. You must always be positive. I'm like, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Right. 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 (laughs) Yes. I have tools and techniques and yes, I believe in them and yes, they work, but it doesn't mean that they don't work all like that. It's perfect. Right. That I don't get into those modes where I'm like flipping tables in my head and like, that's, that's real, you know? Yeah. And, and I think so often we're like, well, here's the perfect tool. And if you just do this, just follow this recipe, mm-hmm. it'll work brilliantly. And your life will have no hiccups. Mm-hmm. Incorrect. <laughs> like yeah. life, life has you strapped into a roller coaster. You are on that sucker. And sometimes you're not going to want to be on that ride. <laughs> and sometimes, right. You're having those big emotions. You're like, I'm doing my ABCs. I'm recalibrating my brain. I've done it all. And I'm still going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah. We're on it. We're on it together. So I think, you know, that connectedness, that vulnerable ability to connect is, is huge. Yes. I love it. I love, and for the record, I hate roller coasters. So, oh my gosh. so whenever I reference them and I'm talking to folks, I'm like, just so it's you know, thing. the roller coaster is not a thrill in my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an adventure. You're saying it is not. Thrill, huh? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Well, this has been so helpful, so fruitful. I, I could talk to you for hours and I know that my listeners could learn so much more from no. you. So I'm going to direct them to your website, to the book, to your Instagram, just find a way to connect with Rebecca. Her work is absolutely necessary, especially as we are on this journey of healing and growing and our desire to become better. You know, we talk a lot about what we need to learn, but there are some things we need to unlearn as well. And I think your work speaks directly to that. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, Karen, this has been a delight. Let's do it again next week. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Molly. Appreciate it. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.